appreciate other people's perspective because everyone brings a different perspective and you as a business leader get the opportunity to take all of those perspectives and see which one's the best one. Hey, I'm Shauna. I'm a business mentor and leadership coach. After years of working with leaders and professionals, the one thing I can say is I do not have all the answers. And guess what? I'm okay with that. This podcast is dedicated to having the conversations with the people who have been where you are or have the expertise that will help you to streamline, simplify, and take the guesswork out of growing and scaling your business. Each week, we will dive into guest interviews, tips, trends, and strategies that will help you to cut through the fluff. So if you are ready to take your business to the next level, stick around. This is the Scale to Grow podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Scale to Grow podcast. Today, we are talking about the top three lessons from running a multi six-figure e-commerce business. So today I have with me Robert Henry, who is the founder of two successful brands, one being an e-commerce company that he co-founded with his partner. Robert comes from a pharmacy background, bringing over a decade of experience of analyzing technical data and working with multidisciplinary teams to find cost efficiencies and develop frameworks. He's taken this experience and has been successfully able to apply it in his ventures and is now working with other business owners to help them to overcome their mental blocks and achieve better results in their business. So Robert, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, I'm excited to do this. So Robert and I have a long history. So we've known each other since we we're, I want to say kids, but it's not really kids. We we're in high school. High schools. Yeah. yeah. So and we kind of went separate ways. He's in the UK. I'm in Canada. Yeah. And somehow we always circle back to find each other. So yeah. it's been amazing to like have him in my space. And he's super, super technical in terms of his skills of just looking at things and being able to kind of go, oh, that's it. So yeah. Robert, my man, what have you been doing these days? You've worked in pharma as a technician, but what made you decide to start your own business? I think the, the, the key thing with that for me was I realized that it wasn't fulfilling for me and it wasn't getting me to, it was never going to get me to the goal, to, to what I wanted to, the sort of lifestyle I wanted to, to achieve and live. So I had to make that, I had to draw that line and basically say, yep, I, I need to jump ship. Mm. So, okay. So you said fulfillment. It wasn't fulfilling for you. So yeah. you're now doing e-commerce. So what about this kind of? So, makes it well, for you. so initially when I started in pharmacy back in the day, it was fulfilling, you know, you're doing a whole lot of things, but the organization changed and the way things were being done changed and, you know, priority wasn't on patients as much per se anymore. So it loses that, that feeling for me. Mm. And then when I went into e-commerce, it was more about, I'm very good at solving problems. So I was able to actually find, you know, problems that I care about that I can solve that actually helped me to feel more fulfilled, but also help someone get to that result. So was it more of finding like that, that niche that could help you to kind of grow professionally? That was the piece for you that made you kind of do the switch? The neat. So in terms of the switch itself, it was e-commerce was new for me and I've never actually jumped into e-commerce at that point in time. 
I, I had tried other things like a car garage. Did you? Yeah. I didn't even know about this. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, I opened a car garage, which didn't work out for too long. Um, and then I did develop the software and pitched it to the NHS at the time and got it in and was on trial for a little while. And that eventually didn't go as planned. So there's a lot of lessons from, from that whole process. But then e-commerce was something I, I kind of fell into with my business partner. I was told like, you know, you should look at this. You should look at this. It's really good. There's so much opportunities here. And you know, a lot of people are doing good stuff in, in the space. So it wasn't my first choice at that time because at that point I was actually doing the getting ready to pitch the software to the NHS guys at the time. And I, I kind of got into it just listening to my business partner now um, talk about it. And uh, it was just like, yeah, cool. So we gave it a go. And that's kind of where I started with e-commerce. Okay. All right. So the question is, because I didn't even know about this car garage hmm? you did. So what else were you doing? What other ventures did you start? Uh, so, seems like you, you were busy. Like, how did I not know this? Well, you know, <laughs> my, my dad, growing up in Jamaica, my dad, um, he was a businessman as well. So I've seen him do like farming, fishing, the works. So I, I kind of always had that in me, like, you know, I wanted to do my own thing because I could see how that afforded him a lifestyle that he could do what he wanted to do and be, be around, basically. So I was fortunate with that. And I wanted to have that same kind of lifestyle where I can have time freedom and location freedom. So I tried many things, you know, I've, I've tried the car garage, I've tried the, the software, I've tried many softwares, actually, about three or four different softwares that I've tested out and put in place. And we have, I have a software that works with a local, how do you pronounce, you say these guys here, they're like the commissioners, the local commissioners. So there was a software for that that I got in and currently using and then i did i think three or four brands on e-commerce which in my initial days of, of figuring out the figuring out phase i, I toyed around with many different niches just to figure out it's learning and there's a couple of them that didn't work out and i have two of them now that's that's doing pretty well on that side oh my god yeah okay so it sounds like everything kind of even though you're saying that you didn't choose this life it seems like everything kind of led up to yeah. this part where you're applying the different skill sets that you had from every single quote-unquote failure yeah. into this e-commerce yeah. venture that you're in now or that you were doing. Yeah. So, so with all of this, like, what would you say is like your superpower in business outside of just the service delivery? You know, I've been thinking about this a lot and... I think it boils down to two things for me. One is more around strategic planning and sort of like the coordination of that plan, like holding the vision and, and implement on that. And then the other side of it for me is the processes. Like I love systems, just the way they, they make things so much more efficient. And they, they give us the opportunity to afford our time back. So those two things, systematization and that, my background at, from uh, what I studied at uni was information systems. So being able to do the processes of mapping out systems, a little bit of economics involved, but mostly the systems. So I think planning and coordination, but also the systemization side of things is two things I'm like, good at. Mm. So, so this is interesting because uh, you went to uni for e-com 
you pull all that knowledge in, you started this e-commerce, even though the life didn't choose you, you still found the pieces that you're, you're drawn to are the pieces that most people struggle with in business. Yeah. Everybody has an idea, but not everybody can execute on these ideas. And one of the big Achilles heels with scaling and growing is always systems. It's always, how do you replicate what you're doing, make it reproducible, make it efficient? How do you bring people in to then get them to be efficient with the new tech or system or process? And this is like your superpower. Yeah. For me, it's fun. To be honest, when I first started it as well, it wasn't always straightforward because I guess one of the key things that I learned around that was you kind of have to build systems around people as well, like how they like to work. Because a lot of like, if it's an already established organization, trying to make a change can be problematic. So I had to learn and adopt, but um, I've become very good at that. Mm, okay. So let's talk about your e-commerce business. Yeah. Like, uh, what were some of the challenges you faced when you were in that business? Like, what came up for you and kind of how did you kind of work through it? That one, so the current e-commerce business has been, it's, it's like a teacher in a way that, you know, one of my mentors said to me when, when we first started working was that business is the most spiritual journey that you're going to go on because it teaches you a lot. I would say some of those challenges that I experienced was one of the big ones was kind of getting comfortable. So we hit a certain income level. And mm-hmm. we kind of got comfortable and complacent with it and we didn't grow. And that led to a lot of things going wrong because it's mm. just like you took your, you took your foot off the, the gas, basically. And then things are always changing in that industry. So it's just like, huh, well, what you were doing before no longer works. So that was a big lesson for us um, with that one. And then the other thing I'll say is staying up to date with the industry changes in that sense, like things were always changing and we weren't really matching that. So we kept falling behind, which kind of ties into always learning, keep the learning side of things going. Like there were so many different ways and so many different strategies and things you could do that would take wherever you want to go. But when you're not aware of what those strategies are and what the opportunities are in a sense, you, you completely miss out on that. So Having that kind of awareness of all of these different things and you get to choose which one you want. And, you know, obviously based on your strengths, that could be something you would choose, you know, depending on the strategy to match what you feel comfortable with. No, I love that you said that because I think uh, when things are good, everybody's happy, right? Nobody's thinking about what could kind of derail all this. And if you do, it's not the things that you think would derail it. You think that it's going to keep on giving and I'm glad that you brought in that, you know, you did get complacent in it and it kind of created that stagnation yeah. because you you weren't growing enough to see the forest behind the trees. So yeah. I like that you point that out because uh, one of the important parts for most business owners is how do you stay on top of everything and still keep that continuous learning? So what was that first initial journey like for you when you got to that particular income level was it different versus when you got there like what changed like because obviously there was like a time where you guys were hungry doing all this stuff yeah and then you got there and then you stopped so what happened so this is really really interesting 
when we first started it, it was a bit of a game, you know, can we do it? Can we make it happen? Figuring it out. It was exciting. And we, we leveraged Amazon initially for the first the e-com platform because obviously Amazon's got customers and everything already. So we thought, let's leverage that. And we got to the first six figures on one product on, on that. And that journey was, mm. it was exciting. It was good. It they had the challenges of figuring out stuff, the learning process with it. But mm-hmm. as we got to the point where we were doing the six figures and kind of holding that space, we stopped kind of doing more things. And I think what, what became one of the underlying issues of that, when I look back on it, was we weren't really taking money out of the business. We were reinvesting or leaving the money in the business. So the bottom line mm-hmm. of it is I never really had a purpose for that fund. Like it wasn't been um, directed to any one financial goal, for example. And because of that, it kind of just carried on and kind of got complacent with it because I wasn't using that money for anything or it didn't serve a purpose. So that business was generating that funds and I wasn't going, okay, that's for my dream house or that's for my, you know, financing my car or, or whatever. And because of that, it was just like, there's no real need for it. So it's just left it. And I think just, just by not having that purpose behind it, it was just like, it just slowly kind of started decaying because, you know, we weren't paying atten- the attention to it in a way. Mm-hmm. So in <clears throat> hindsight, what you're saying is it it's important to really kind of nail down kind of the the big overarching vision of what you want, yeah. but also kind of set some intermediary type goals yeah. for different pieces within the business. Because you had one product that was throwing off a six-figure yeah. um, revenue or sales revenue number, yeah. but you're saying during this time you didn't reallocate the funds. It was being reinvested, but it wasn't really being reinvested in like the futuristic yeah. like view of the business. It was just more operational. Yeah, but also from the perspective of like what was my reward from that business? Like what did I want from it? So when I did business strategy with a mentor of mine he taught like one of the things when we did vision when we dive into the vision part of it we always look at what was the reward for us like what is it you want from this business and this was after yeah. i started doing this stuff i learned this later so you always kind of like so why am i why am i doing this and it, we have that personal mission with it and that business serves that so that and there's always a financial reward element to it so it, for me, it was just like, I never really tied that one over, whereas the money was just coming in, we were reinvesting in products or, you know, expanding the product per se. And then when you're not really prepared for the changes that happened, like COVID and Brexit for us, that caused a bit of problem as well. Uh, but I think under that, that topic or the point was the not having that financial purpose in a way, because we're all in business, you know, for the impact, but also for the financial reward mm-hmm. of that. And the impact could be fulfillment or whatever means or meaning we are trying to gather from that business. But the, the financial element of it was just, I realized how important it was when we got to that point and just kind of got stagnant with it because we weren't really doing anything with the finances. Okay, so... So what I find interesting with that is you're saying in some ways that you need to pay yourself. That's a huge part of uh, what it is. You need to pay yourself to kind of keep that intrinsic motivation going. 
Yeah, and I have a financial reward or financial goals. So when I look back at it, if I was to do something different about that, I would have set a goal. So the money that I would have gained from that or that business, mm. that fun, the funding that's coming from that business would be going towards a goal of mine. So whether it's like, I, I want to kind of move to an, a warmer country somewhere, you know, coming from Jamaica, kind of want to go to a nice country where I can enjoy all of that. So, you know, I could have put like a fund towards a house or, you know, moving to X, Y, Z or the lifestyle I aspire to is to be able to live in different countries, you know, throughout a year, basically, not just be in one place. Mm. So that's, that's a lifestyle of mine. So it's like I could put that funds towards that or reinvest in it somehow to, to create for that, basically. And that mm. would have driven me more, if that makes sense, because that's what I wanted. And that business was okay. just a means to get to that with obviously the impact of what we, we serve with. Yeah. So I love that you touched on not just the fact that you need to have something that's motivating you to keep the business going, but also for you to that self-realization. Because I think there's a gap between the self-realization piece that tends to go out the window because there's so many things happening yeah. at the same time. And um, you get into the cycle of, let me just keep doing this thing because it's working. And you forget that you're doing this business as, a, you know, there's an impact piece, but there's like, it's fueling something. Yeah. But what does it fuel in? And maybe reconnecting back with that because, yeah. you know, I, I know personally from my own um, businesses, I always have to go back to the well, I call it, where I ask the question like, okay, Shauna, what exactly are you doing? Like, why are you doing it? Yeah. And do you want to keep doing this yes. every single day? Like, so I say no to a lot of people for different things because I ask myself the question, what is the impact that you want to make at the end of the day? Because then I could say yes to so many things and go down a cycle and then end up in like a place that I don't want to be. So it sounds like there was a period of time where when you got to that state where things are running smoothly, there was a little bit, there was, yes, there was some business um, learnings that you now know that you needed. Mm -hmm. Sounded like a little bit of marketing, a little bit of um, strategic um, direction and a few other things, but everything else was running, but it was just that future site that was there, that was missing yeah. in that business at the time, yeah. just the market the market evaluation, market strategy, and everything else, because everything else seemed to be working. Yeah. And then there was the, the part where it's, it's just you, your personal growth and development. There was that piece that was missing. So mm -hmm. now that you've gotten to the state and you've, you've kind of gone through the learnings from that part, how did you, and I'm just going to go back to kind of the, the running of the operations piece, yeah. um, just because, you know, the, the audience type is a, uh, as business owners, I want them to kind of even understand, like during that time, even though there were things that didn't go as planned, yeah. there were things that were going really well. Yeah. So what are some of those things that were going really well in terms of the KPIs, like uh, the process pieces, like what, what were going well for you, like just in the business? So within the business, what I'll say during that time is we, we have like a, a raving sort of fan base with like the products that we have. It was the customers were always there, like they always loved that. But also from a process perspective, we had really good systems in place that are pretty efficient. So we had 
like uh, so for, from a tracking perspective, we had all these different um, systems for like product launches, customer, not loyalty, but you call it, it's like customer service or it's like a combination. So I, I always kind of make things as efficient as I can. So we have all of these different systems all the way through from stock finances all the way through that are in place. And we're looking at KPIs like average order value, reach, profit, frequency of purchase. So these these are the lever the levers that I can go, yeah, you know, if I if I just change this that a little bit more, we can double sales or or whatever that case is. And I think mm -hmm. I find that average order value, frequency and sort of the number of customers coming. So frequency of customer purchases basically. Those ones were really pivotal. And then we have sort of lead indicators where we were looking at like the outreaches, like, you know, we for for one of the products that we have, we get corporate buyers. They buy quite big chunks of it. And those guys we we were trying to tap into that market a little bit more. So we we, we basically start reaching out to different companies. So like setting those kind of lead indicators of like reach out to ten companies this week or whatever and, and trying to stay on top of that. That I think was some of the things, but the systems help us to be consistent with that. Okay. So, okay. So walk me through one scenario because I want to see how the practicality of that would show up in like someone who who's in e-commerce right now might be thinking about kind of maybe this isn't working. Maybe, I, you know, maybe you can jog something that can help like practicality of it. Like if you were to take uh, maybe your product launch, like what, how would you go like, uh, like A to B? Okay, so the product launch is actually quite a detailed process. The bottom line about it, though, is, is that it's, it's the consistent action that we need to take and having the clarity and the know-how all the way through. So for product launches, you would start somewhere with the product research. So we'll have mm -hmm. like one process around product research, and that will have you know a set of like three to five tasks within that where we, we need to research the opportunity, but also if there's any patterns or any of those sort of things that we need to be concerned with. And then we'll go from that into, depending on what platforms that we, we are going to work with, so if it's Amazon, Etsy, or Shopify, or whatever, we'll then think about, you know, the, the sort of positioning for the product and how can we be different like the usb so all of that is kind of built into the process all the way from the opportunity differentiating the product to setting up the, the actual product on the platform all the way through to the launch campaign where it's like creating the content deciding who we want to work with uh like influencers or just ads and, and get it in but i think also a key element of that is understanding whatever platform you have you're on there are a different like they work based on like you know keyword search or whatever so you got to understand how that all works so you know you're moving the right levers basically to kind of get to the end result mm. and this is probably where you have those lead indicators you start identifying your kpis you start identifying kind of yeah. what would be the ideal state from a baseline to get to those uh, sales numbers yeah. so you do it all up front okay so product research, understanding a bit more uh, in terms of the channels that you're going to be using, yeah. and then kind of defining kind of what the launch campaign is going to look like. 
and then you know kind of doing that implementation based on what you've kind of put together yeah and then kind of monitoring it basically to make sure that it makes sense yeah and and to, to help with that stuff i use tools like google sheets or if, if you really want to keep it simple google sheets is always a you know, winner for me <laughs> and i i use other tools like asana where i can build all of these in so it's duplicatable it's easy to you know set up a new product launch or you know it's got, it's got all the steps in it already and also like how to do it basically so like the sops and all that so anyone within the team can actually work on a path of that so it really helps when you, when you have like a very clear step-by-step process for how to do x basically mm-hmm. so so it sounds like what's key is to make sure that uh the workflow behind everything is crisp and crystal clear yeah. to everyone on the team because otherwise you run into yeah issues yeah and if you have guesswork and all of that going on figuring stuff out i mean there's going to be a time and place where you you might need to change a strategy or you might need to find a different way but you want to do that stuff before you get to execution and then spending a lot of time kind of in execution but trying to figure something out because that just delays the process massively you lose momentum motivation and obviously the amount of money you're investing in each of those products time is money yeah time is money and if people don't know where they're going and what's expected of them that's a lot of money being wasted yeah that that was (laughs) one of the biggest things that i could have also done better with as well like when we hire people and like when we first started, we hired based on what we think we needed in a way. And that was mm-hmm. an expensive lesson because it's just like, really, we don't need that stuff. Or what we thought we need, we didn't actually need. And then you had to go through all of that process of like, you know, and you feel guilty at times as well because you have to let them go. But it, that that was one pivotal lesson where it's just like, like you don't operate on, on that basis when you're running the business. Okay, so... This is a good segue because I wanted to know kind of what was the team like? How So clearly you made some boo-boos along the yeah. way, but what were some of the principles behind your team selection? Like what were you looking for? What were you not looking for? And what did you bring people on the team for? So when, when, we, when we first started, we, we listened to a lot of um, different people say a lot of different things like, the low value tasks you need to outsource them, free up your time. And while that's is good and well, I mean, like when you're hiring someone on on like your team, not necessarily using freelancers, although we do use a lot of freelancers, mm-hmm. you gotta remember that comes with a whole bunch of responsibilities at the end of the day, right? And you need to have those processes in place to help you manage all of that. But when it came to picking people once we got through all the learnings and everything else, I think it boiled down to like understanding what our guiding principles are as a brand um, for the people that we want to work with mm-hmm. and how we want to work with them. But also we are certain type of people as well. Like, you know, I like people that are more empowering. They have a mm-hmm. can-do mindset. They have, they can figure stuff out if needs to, but they also energetic. Um, like they, they've got, they bring a certain vibe that you can bring fun to the game. It's not just strength, no personality. I love working with people like those, but also they need to have the skills as well. And I think, you know, a good mix between those where you find someone who's just exceptionally well, 
of what they do, but also have a personality to bring different dimension and a different perspective into the game. It's always great. But one of the things, and just like a side note, something I learned fairly, say maybe in the last year or so, as a business leader, one thing that we, we need to be able to do is be able to take, appreciate other people's perspective. Because everyone brings a different perspective and you as a business leader get the opportunity to take all of those perspectives and see which one's the best one and therefore go with mm. the best one versus, oh, it's my way or, you know, this is the how we do it. So that was a good lesson for me within that whole learning and growing piece as well. Mm. You know, it's interesting because when I, when I'm listening to you talk, you know, I had, I, I was chatting with someone, she's in HR and uh, we were actually talking about that because um, she does a lot of hiring and retention work and uh, she helps a lot of small business owners. And one of the, the things she always says is I always tell them, take your time with this process, you know, like make sure you're flushing things out because it's a lot of headache later. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I said to her, you know, I now get the people on the other end that says, you know, I just inherited this person that's useless. Like, what am I going to do with this person? Like, I can't grow them. I don't know what they can do. I don't, you know, and then they have to either build the capacity or the capability in that person or they have to let them go because they're just not a fit. So downstream, if you don't do it right, you kind of have to make these decisions, right? Yeah, difficult decisions, very difficult decisions. And also to add to that as well, like, you know, when you hire someone, you get excited as an entrepreneur, you get in your first hiring and you think, yeah, I'm just going to give them these tasks to do. But then the guys are good. They do their task and they sit around. You have nothing else for them to do. And it's just like, well, you didn't really plan it out properly. Like you didn't do a proper onboarding process. You didn't think about the actual tasks or the ongoing um, things. So you end up having a bunch of people sitting on payroll where utilizing the, the effort and the potential that they could bring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been in the situations where I've seen that played out so many times now where people have been hired on board for different programs or different projects. And they literally come and sit and do nothing all day, check emails. And that's just poor management of, you know, of, of the business objectives, um, figuring out mm-hmm. what that is and actually like how do we get the right resources for that. Yeah, so we definitely, you know, need to manage them. Yeah. And, to, and to just add to what you're saying, because I think it's such an important conversation, it's, um, you know, when you're in that process of finding the person, you also have to ask yourself the question, how long do I need this person for? Yeah. Because um, if you don't need the person full time, then you should be mapping out to hire someone for a part time or a contract type work, freelance work where it's more on an as needed basis and that will shift like the dimensions of the work that you do. And it would also shift the dimensions of the expertise that you need to bring on, because if you're looking to bring on someone who's more inexperienced and you need the work done within a shorter period of time and a quicker period yeah. of time, there's a lot more upfront work for you to, to do. do. Yeah. 100%. That so, is important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think it's good that you're bringing that in because especially when you think about like uh you know like fast paced like e-commerce that's one of your Achilles heel like if you have someone who need can't ramp up as quickly because they don't have the skills or they don't have the ability to to ramp up because 
you didn't really give them any work. They don't know what they're supposed to do. You're not yeah. your processor. You don't have a good workflow. You don't really know what to do with them. Then you've just wasted all that time yeah. having people, but you don't have them doing it. Yeah. And the finances behind that as well. The, you know. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. So I know you're not doing this business anymore. Now you've kind of moved into, well, somewhat you're still doing it. Like, how many things are you doing? I feel like I'm not. This is the power of systems, isn't it? When, when, you, when you get very good at them, you can get the right people in place, get the right systems in place, and you can sort of step away from them to a certain capacity, like free yourself up to some level. The good thing with e-commerce businesses, depending on the level that you're trying to take them at, is you can automate a lot of things. So you don't necessarily need to be turning the cog yourself, basically, all the time. You do the upfront work and, you know, you can then manage the process from there. Just get very clear on what that looks like. So the other stuff, so I've got the brands, but the other thing I want to do, I'm doing now is coaching, which is, I say coaching, it's this sort of business consulting in the way we help plan the process of, you know, from the start, from beginning to launch of a brand. And I'm, I'm doing that with coaches at the minute. And, and yeah, just bringing that whole experience that I have and, you know, the, the planning side of things that, and also the systems, bringing that into all of that and creating like an easy to follow sort of system for people to actually use to be mm. able to do that. Interesting. So what are some of the, like the, the common challenges that you've been seeing with these clients that you've had now? Yeah, that, that is really I would have never guessed these, even even if when you know if you sit outside and not really work with these clients. But I think one of the the most common one is getting started. They want to, are you serious? Yeah, that they want to to do you know to launch their coaching business or you know get clients and stuff like that. But getting started is probably one of the hardest things I've seen them try to do. And it's one of the easiest thing in my mind. <laughs> some some of these guys are not business orientated. Most of these guys aren't business orientated. They are more service based. Like they know how to help someone, but the actual mm. business element of it, they have no. Especially when it comes to online, some of these guys don't actually know. So it's like, what do I do? Where do I start? And and mm. actually getting into building up some momentum. So a lot of these guys will start with the the, the, the biggest piece first rather than starting mm. with a small piece and building that momentum and get into that alignment with the work and actually start to make that progress. So I think that's a major one where it's like getting started. And then the other thing that I'm seeing a lot of is like you give them a plan, but they don't know how to execute on that plan. One of the reasons for that is because they don't have the know-how. Mm. So it's just like, again, going back to the fact that these guys they're not necessarily all business-minded. They're just people that want to be able to serve and help people. So they're expecting to kind of know how to do a product launch or how to build a program or how to, any of those, you know, steps or processes in the, in the plan. It's like they would have to spend time researching that and they wouldn't even know where to start. Some of these guys would not know where to start with just researching that. So having that know-how, how to do that particular part of the plan makes it a whole lot easier and a whole lot more efficient for um for these guys as well to be able to do that it doesn't matter if you're just starting on your scaling like if you're scaling it's equally important to actually have clarity on that task that we're actually working on mm -hmm. you know what are the steps for that and making sure that you are doing the prep 
like so you make sure you, you know exactly what you're going to do before you get to implementation of what mm -hmm. that looks like mm -hmm. so those are two of the main things that i can think of that are really the the challenges and i guess you know people want it now they don't want it tomorrow they want it right now so it's just like the other part of that coin is like they come with themselves being who they are right now wanting to have a business that's up and running successfully but never kind of considered the sort of person you need to be to have a successful business and that that will look like you know having a certain set of skill sets thinking from a different mindset or attitude you know approaching the game completely different from different mental attitude so we never really factor in like who we need to become you know to be the most effective coach or whatever type of coach you want to be but as well as a business person to be able to do all of those things and part of part of the things that i'm doing now is where i kind of sit down and go through like who you need to be and the rules that you need to to you know success, i call it success rules what are those success rules that we're going to build for you that you're going to stick to um to be able to become that person and that will dictate the habits and so forth from there and doing that i've seen people do much better in a sense like oh now we, we we're kind of like modifying behaviors a little bit to be able to get to that end goal yeah no i love that piece because uh i think it would also address some of that uh earlier stage where you said you know it needed it needed to have those continuous growth yeah. pieces to it and if you don't really if you're not really clear on some of your own personal growth i think that's where you would, you would get you would get into that stagnation or that cyclical kind of cycle with everything that you're doing and not really seeing the way out yeah with all of these experiences and all the knowledge that you have what are three things that you can share with the audience right now Ooh, um three things i would share with the audience right now if i'm starting business if i'm starting a new brand one big thing would be to choose the proper the niche based on a need not a desire a lot of the first brands, a lot of the earlier brands I did was based on desires and that was hard work. You know, trying to sell stuff to people that's just, it's desirable, not a need. You know, there's no real need for it. So that is one thing, like make sure you understand that there is a need. You, you're feeling a need and there is a demand for that need to be filled. It makes it a whole lot easier. I was really... Mm -hmm you know when i saw how easy that was for me it was just like wow okay let's see what else would i say keep it learning like don't 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 ever let yourself get comfortable you know that will cost you more than you bargained for when you kind of stop growing and you stop learning or stop expanding or being aware of things around you like you gotta keep having that input of information or you know whatever it is that's going on so you can always keep learning or aspiring to be because when you get comfortable or you get into that space that i know this or you, you know i've made it or whatever that is it will ruin you literally like you will watch it mm -hmm. fall apart and i've seen it played over with myself my dad and other people in my life i've seen it played out and time and time again where we get comfortable we are creatures of habit and comfort mm -hmm. is something we seek because it's familiar, right? It's comfortable, it's familiar. So when we kind of get to that space, mm -hmm. we stop striving, we stop, you know, making things happen. So that's one thing as well. What other things would I say? I've been in brands that I've started and exited 
way too early like i've just closed them off um stop and i think for me that big lesson was it's not really a major one but it's one of the ones where i thought you have to be in the game to win it to be to, to play the game and if you exit the game you're no longer winning and by when you do that you accepted a loss at that point now that doesn't mean that you don't need to know when to get out you do need to know when to exit so you can build that in from up front but when things get frustrating and you're finding it hard to struggle and you're at that point where you're just like yeah i'm just gonna throw it all in or just walk away from it i think that's that's something we need to be very mindful of because that's cost me a lot of money as well where i've started things and they had potential which i just didn't know how to do it and at that point in time rather than seeking the help or going forward to kind of make that the thing so you can figure it out trust yourself you can figure it out but don't just rely on yourself rely on you know your resources your network to kind of tap into what you you can to get the answer rather than throw the towel in and then you accept that loss of of whatever amount that might be because you've lost time as well as money as well you do get lessons i suppose yeah no i love those those are really great context around things because one is seeing the game long enough to actually play or accept the losses keep growing keep learning and also be able to and i'm now drawing a blank on this one but the first one the first the first one was um (laughs) the first one was it's almost like winning the game before you get into the game. So it's like picking the opportunity that you want to win at. Oh, the niche. niche. Yes, yeah. there you go. The easiest yeah. one. Oh, my yeah. God. So there you go. Yeah. So the niche, stay in the game to play the game, realistically, yeah. and keep growing, keep learning. And I feel like there's one that's embedded in all of this, which is ask for help when you need the yeah. help. So yeah. this is great. So Robert, very excited that you we were able to do this. Mm-hmm. But what's next for you? What are you going to do? You already have so many sticks in the fire, but what's, what's next for you? Look at this so, point. What else are you going to so do? For, for now, for now, I'm really enjoying the the actual planning and sort of coaching of coaches, basically, um, to help them get to that end goal of, you know, launching their own personal brand, coaching brand. I think what it is for me is like, I know these guys can have a good impact on other people. And, you know, too many of us are walking around grumpy or you know just not happy with our lives and i feel like coaches can help people with that and there are other things as well but for now you know i'm focused on that bit where i just want to kind of help these guys kind of get that path and for me i love solving problems and if i've got that systems mindset so the more i can solve problems like that i can care about help people in a way then i'll do it um so for me right now that's the piece i'm focused on and then who knows from there i'll see where it goes but for now that's that's where i'm at love it okay so you're now shifting into the business consultant side focusing on working with coaches yeah. upcoming consultants slash practitioners who want to kind of grow and develop their business yeah. okay so where can people find you to learn more about you currently instagram is probably the best place to find me my instagram handle is i always struggle to remember this it's robert henry underscore zero seven couldn't get my actual name there's too many robert henry's out there but i did get it and then clearly robert was like a popular name at one point yeah 
<laughs> All right. So hey, Robert Henry underscore zero seven. Zero seven. Yeah. Okay. See, I was there thinking double. No, no, no. Not the double or seven. <laughs> I did think about that. Oh my God. Okay. So I will add everything in the show notes. There will be a direct link to that. So thank you again for being part of the podcast. Very excited that we did this. And lots of little good gems here to take away for everyone. So every leave all the information there. If you have a question, there will be uh, an option for you to submit that in the show notes. So you could just click the link and just send a question off to us and we'll be able to answer it. So, all right. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Scale to Grow podcast. To work with us or access free resources, head over to www.concaveservices.com. And don't forget to leave us a review. See you on the next episode.